People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We've got a very, very important show today. On the line from Chennai in India, we have Rajesh Sundaram, who is the author of the recently released uh, explosive book, Indentured, Behind the Scenes at Gupta TV. It's published by Jakarna and it's available in bookshops at the moment. Welcome to Chai FM Rajesh. It's a great privilege to have you joining us here on over the line from India. Thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's an honor for me. Uh, I should say congratulations on having your book published. That's a very, very important book that South Africa as a nation sits down to and reads. Uh, but before we start discussing your book, and instead of me reading your biography, please, can you do the honors? Can you introduce yourself to our listeners in your own words and on your own terms? But yes, <laughs> thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm uh, a journalist. I've been a journalist. Uh, you know, I graduated from the University of Delhi uh, and have a bachelor's degree in journalism. I've been working since the time I graduated. I've worked with uh, a lot of Indian uh, media houses like New Delhi Television, the India Today Group, uh, also international stations uh, like Al Jazeera. I was uh, the first India correspondent for Al Jazeera when they started off in 2006. I have set up uh, seven uh, television news stations uh, in my career. Uh, these include uh, NewsX, uh, and also uh, currently I'm uh, responsible for the setting up of Kaveri News, which which I head as news director. Then you're currently living in Chennai, in India, and you have a family. So you you're more than just a newsman. You're you're a you're a fully living member of the human race in a very very dynamic country, diverse India, and that's that's that, that's Rajesh Sundaram. Now we're going to look at the book Indentured. Indentured has received a huge amount of coverage in the South African media because of the explosive claims that you make. Before we discuss those claims, what has your experiences post-publication been? Do you feel endangered? Have you received any threats? Have you received any support? Uh, Well, I think what I always keep in mind is that I'm dealing with people who are not uh, afraid of breaking the law. They've done it in the past. Uh, they have uh, threatened me with, with physical harm. Uh, they have tried to burgle my hotel room. They tried to steal my passport. Uh, they stole the money that I had with me. Uh, but but despite all of that, I have been very clear. I've been very clear in my mind that I want this book to be published. I wrote this book uh, about four and a half years ago, and it's uh, and there have been multiple challenges that have come my way. And uh, despite the threats. I would want this book to come out. I want the people of South Africa uh, to know the truth. How did you get involved in 2013 with ANN7? And when you made the decision to come and work in South Africa, to leave your family in India and to come to Johannesburg, what did you know about South Africa? What did you know about the Guptas, Jacob Zuma, the ANC at the time? Well, I uh, knew nothing about them. I knew that there was a family of Indian origin in South Africa, which was a joint venture partner. I was hired by Mr. Lakshmi Goel, who was the, the Indian joint venture partner in this. And uh, immediately before uh, joining ANN7, I had set up uh, a few stations in India, 
some of them uh, were very successful. The immediate last station that set set up was a Hindi news station uh, called News Nation, uh, which was doing very well. And that's when I got a call uh, to know whether I wanted to, uh, you know, help set up a station. I was told that it would be a fantastic opportunity uh, to work with a young dynamic team uh, in South Africa. That the best international technology would be brought in. And uh, it, at that time, it seemed like a, a fantastic opportunity uh, for me uh, in, in my career. Uh, at the time when you were working with the Guptas, you write it wasn't easy. How did, especially Atul Gupta, because you write more about him than any of the other brothers in your book, how did he run ANN7 in the run-up to the launch of the station? Well, Atul Gupta is the person who was the hands-on guy. You know, he would be in office at six in the morning and stay on there till till very late, micromanaging every aspect of the way the station was run or or, or was being set up. So he had uh, the professional managers who were there who were giving him advice, but he'd make he he would never take any of that. You know, he would take decisions and he'd just go go with that. Uh, he was also a bit of a bully. Uh, you know, somebody who'd shout, scream, also had a very short temper. So many of the people, especially the people who were looking at technology at that time, were scared of him. So if they, uh, you know, if, if, if and they, they were also scared of giving him the, the the correct timelines. Like for instance, if something were to take about a month to finish, Atul would say, "Just do that in two days or three days," and you know, I want to do it. And if if there was any resistance, he would be this bully who would, you know, with, with a short fuse, would just scream, shout, and uh, uh, bring bring the whole place down. So he was a very difficult uh, person to work with, uh, somebody who did not understand anything about broadcast uh, journalism, about the, the technology that went into, into broadcast. Uh, for instance, when you set up a television station, there are multiple systems that come in, you know, and there are there's equipment that comes from very different parts of the world. All of that needs to be brought in. It has to be integrated. The systems need to talk to each other. There are bugs that keep cropping up. And it takes about a month, month and a half before these bugs can be totally eliminated. He had no understanding of this. He just wanted the station to launch very quickly so that he could start making the revenues. Uh, and whenever these bugs cropped up towards the launch, he would just come charging in like a bull into the gallery, start screaming at people, even beat people up, abuse them. So he, a, a very, very difficult uh, man to work with. We're speaking to Rajesh Sundaram, the author of the explosive book Indented Behind the Scenes at Gupta TV. He's on the line live from Chennai, India, and we'll be back with more questions straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book. We're speaking to Indian journalist. Rajesh Sundaram, the author of the explosive book Indented, Behind the Scenes at Gupta TV. It's published by Jakarna. It is available in the shops. It's caused a huge stir in the South African media. And because of the allegations and the claims that are very well documented that Rajesh writes about. Rajesh, you write about the employment conditions and the labor practices of the Guptas, specifically at ANN7, and that they were basically... Many of them were basically illegal, from the processing of working visas in the South African embassy in India, to tax scams in India to avoid paying taxes on salaries, to appalling living conditions for workers, and 
the, you mention this very, very clearly in the book, the shocking payment of 300 rand a month for an Indian housekeeper cook who was out, brought out from India to South Africa on contract. These you document and you describe in detail. Can, can, you, can you share some of this information with our listeners? Well, uh, see, the, 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 there were a lot of violations. You know, it was not like they could not get people uh, from, from South Africa to get, you know, to work in these positions. But uh, the, the, the thing was that they really didn't want to because it was more expensive for them uh, to hire South Africans than it was for them to get people from India. So these were skills that were easily available in South Africa, but they were more expensive skills. So they'd, they'd rather have people come in uh, the plane roads from India and do, and do this work. Uh, you know, also the, the kind of conditions in which they could uh, keep the Indian workers there was appalling. Like, for instance, the people who came in uh, to do the construction work were kept on the site. There were subhuman conditions. They would cook, eat, uh, and and live in that place, work hours at end. And, uh, you know, there, there, were, there were no rights that were given to them. And most of the payments that they received was... Uh, to their families in India or when they went back to India, they were paid. They were not given any payments here. So if they had to make, you know, to get anything while they were living here, they couldn't do that because they didn't have any money. All the money was given to them in India. And here it was just food and work. That's that, that's about it. Also, the uh, the others who were brought in, you know, uh, many of them initially, uh, the, the team that came in, came in on proper visas, but towards, uh, towards the time when the launch was about to happen a week before the launch. There were dozens of Indians who bought in. Most of them were on tourist visas, and they worked here at AN7. Many of them also overstayed those visas, and they were clearly told that that's not a problem because if you overstay the visa, all you have to do is when you go back, uh, pay a small fine at the at the immigration uh, uh, counter and go back to India, apply for a work permit, and you'll be given that. And there were many people who overstayed visas, went back, and then actually got work permits to come back and work here. So all of these are clear violations. Now, I had complained about this uh, to the, the home department after I came back here, uh, but, but there was no action taken uh, to, to my written complaints given to the home department. And the, the issuing of visas in India from the South African embassy, you actually mentioned that people were told to go at a specific time in India, at a specific date, and speak to a specific person. It sounds like things that were happening within the embassy were, were, weren't 100% kosher, that certain strings were being pulled in order to make allowances and shortcuts for people coming in to work for ANN7. That's, that's, quite, a strong, that's quite a strong claim in your book. Yes, because I remember even in my case, you know, we were told because generally if any Indian has to apply for a South African visa, you either go to the embassy or you go to the, the, the processing agency that, that, that does it. But in our case, we were told to go to the embassy, but not to the visa section, but to give the documents to a person called Mr. Shakil there. And he would take the documents and process it. And once the documents were handed over to him, uh, there was a call that was made to Mr. Ashu Chavla, who was part of the Gupta team in uh, South Africa, and he would make sure that the visas were processed and uh, given expeditiously. So, so, so this is how it was going. But this is when it came to the work permits. But there were others who were who came in on tourist visas, who worked, overstayed uh, the, the, the visa tenures, and uh, were told to just pay a small 
uh, fine at the immigration counter and go back. So clearly there are a lot of violations and uh, th- this should be investigated uh, as well. well. To date, none of those claims have been investigated. But there is something that you document in your book that was breaking news last night and this morning. You, you, another explosive claim, the, the Gupta's purchase of SABC archive material. Your, in your words, um, well, you quote Lakshmi Gol, one of the, the, the Indian partner into, in ANN7. He said, we know the people at the SABC, so we will get the footage at a very low rate. The people at the SABC can be bought for a meal or a drink. They are willing to give away their treasure trove of historical footage for peanuts. And while you were in South Africa, before you went back to India, you, you document that 60 hours of SABC historic footage was transferred on memory sticks to ANN7. And that is a huge, huge, huge Boat, you know, it's a boom to ANN7 having all this footage. A lot of it was on Nelson Mandela, which they really paid nothing for. And just this, just last night, the SABC board, based on your claim in your book, have called, have called for an investigation into this specific claim. What exactly happened? Well, in my experience as a television journalist working for Indian and international stations, I can tell you that archival footage is extremely, extremely valuable. Now, a few minutes of that footage can cost you thousands of dollars. But here we had a situation where hours, 60 hours of footage, and I think there was a deal that was done for about 100 hours, but 60 hours was taken. And uh, regardless of whatever the footage was, uh, it it could be blindly copied in, brought into the the ANN7 office and, and digitized. So what was happening was that an archivist from ANN7 went to the SABC office. There were two people there who were helping him uh, identify the footage. Uh, they would, uh, you know, he would take blank tapes with him, record all that footage onto those tapes, bring it back to the ANN7 office, and over the weekend he would digitize that uh, onto the Diva servers. So, and uh, towards the end, I was told that, uh, that, that there was about 60 hours of footage, valuable footage, archival footage, footage. Uh, you know, from from decades before, which the SABC had, which was transferred uh, for for a, for a for a very small cost. The entire deal, I believe, was done by Mr. Nazim Hoa, who had contacts uh, in the in the SABC, and this was something that that was uh, also facilitated by Mr. Atul Gupta, because he would speak about how he spoken to somebody uh, at a high office and how Nazim just needed to go and close it uh, there. You know. And uh, th- that's how it was happening. There was 60 hours of footage, which, which you know, which could have got the SABC millions of dollars, millions of dollars, which was sold uh, for a song here. You need someone who's a media player, professional, who knows the value of archives. Like you've just told us right now, it's worth millions of dollars. But uh, with all the doors that the Guptas had opened to them through their contacts within the government and the Zoomers, they got this, it was this, it was the, uh, a criminal act on behalf of the SABC. You, you met Jacob Zuma three times that you record in the book. And that was before and at the launch, uh, in the run-up to the launch of ANN7. Dudizana Zuma, who was a 30% shareholder in the company, you only met him on the day of the launch. 
that's quite strange that the designer Zuma played a very, very backseat role. And his father was very active in the company. We, I'm going to, I'm going to read a I'm going to ask you a question and then we'll have an ad break and you can answer it after the ad break. But what's so strange is that Jacob Zuma, the president of the South, of South Africa, wielded exceptional levels of influence over editorial. And the truth is that is a huge conflict of interest, both on behalf of the, the new station, ANN7, and on behalf of the, the office of the president of South Africa. Your th- when we come back after the ad break, your, your thoughts on this and also how you felt as an editor having editorial decisions taken out of your hand. That's a huge one as well. So straight after this ad break, Rajesh Sundaram on the role of uh, president at the time, Jacob Zuma, in editorial policy at ANN7. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM, Stephen Kravitz in the studio. We're in conversation with Rajesh Sundaram, the author of Indentured, Behind the Scenes at Gupta TV, published by very brave and very, very influential publishing house, Jakarna Media. And just before the ad break, I asked Rajesh about Jacob Zuma's involvement in the editorial policies of the of of, of AN, ANN seven, and also to add to that, how he felt as an editor having editorial policy set by outsiders. Rajesh, well, uh, we had President Zuma, who was more like a shareholder because we'd have these review meetings with him, uh, you know, very very frequently, where uh, his questions would be about. Uh, the progress of the station, where the studios were at, how the equipment had been brought in. Also, he would give advice on uh, editorial policy and editorial matters as well. For instance, he did not want the station to be an out-and-out propaganda station. He would say that, you know, it it, it would have to be subtle propaganda in the sense that, you know, there should be no, uh, you know, we we should not not feature his rivals within and outside the ANC. We should feature them, but show them in a negative light, in a subtle way. So those are the kind of inputs that were coming from him. And he was also somebody who would keep, you know, whatever reports were given to him, he'd keep that study, that comeback. So it was more like he was a shareholder uh, in the station than than his son. And he was very keen uh, on on seeing the, the mock bulletins that were produced, uh, giving feedback uh, on that as well. He even left cabinet meetings to come and talk to you and the Guptas about ANN7, which is, it boggles the mind that uh, uh, a president can be so derelict in his duties for the pursuit of either um, propaganda or, 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 or the pursuit of profit. That's, it boggles the mind. Um, yes, and that- uh, because we, there were times, you know, when, when we were having these meetings and he, you know, the, we, we knew that there were uh, cabinet ministers waiting in the other room, but he'd spent, uh, you know, minutes and hours uh, discussing about this project uh, in, in a separate room and, and keep uh, those people waiting in the other room. One of the most bizarre episodes in your book uh, and it, it it provides some comic relief, but it's actually it's 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 it's, uh, it's more than just comic. It's actually quite sad, uh, in a way. Is Atal Gupta, in his quest to save money for ANN Seven, proposing to use 
fashion models and former Miss South Africa's as news presenters. That's the type of thing that if someone made a satire on the, the, the Donald Trump presidency, they'd have him suggesting that as a satire. But here it really happened. It came out of Atal Gupta's mouth. Can you tell us about that and just your feelings as an editorial, as an editor, what, what you felt when that, when that statement came out of his mouth? Well, it was bizarre, and I thought, you know, that was one of the most bizarre things that I've ever heard. Uh, because, you know, that was a time when, uh, you know, we had approached many senior television journalists and asked them whether they would want to come and join, and many of them refused outright. Some of them uh, wanted guarantees that there would be a buffer between the ownership and the and the newsroom, which which were guarantees that, that we couldn't provide. So at that time... Uh, out of the blues, Mr. Atul Gupta said that, well, forget about these journalists and he'd, he'd use the choicest of abuses about them and say that we would go uh, for anchors, uh, you know, we, we would have models as presenters and even before anybody in the room could say anything, he called in uh, one of his, his close uh, associates, a person called uh, Aslam Kamal and told him, well, call up that modeling agency right now and ask them to send us, uh, you know, uh, uh, two dozen models and we'll do an audition and we'll see who's uh, uh, doing well and we'll hire them on as presenters. Uh, but to be fair uh, to, the, to, the, to the young ladies who came in at that time, many of them were talented and they did put a lot of good effort uh, into this, uh, in, into new presentation. They, they, they did a lot of hard work. But I think what should have happened is for them to have hired senior journalists and paid them the right kind of salaries and given them the editorial uh, independence to work rather than uh, take this bizarre step that, that Atul Gupta did at that time. The book Indentured, you said earlier you wrote it um, straight after you returned to India, which was in 2013. It's only been released now. Why was this explosive document not published any earlier? There was... Uh, at the time that the, the public protector Tuli Maronsela re re released her state of capture report, uh, and when South Africa was put, began to put the Guptas under the the microscope and look at all the 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 illegal and shady activities that this family was perpetuating in South Africa, why only now? Well, uh, the, the book, the manuscript was given to the publishers. You know, within a few months of me coming back here, uh, but there were legal challenges, as you can imagine. You know, there were uh, there, there was a lot of averments that were in the book which needed corroboration. Now, many of the people who could corroborate that were still working for the Guptas, and it would put them uh, their safety in risk if if we were to put put this book out. But slowly, over a period of time, uh, many of these people left AN and Seven. They joined other organizations. They were willing to collaborate. Uh, also, uh, some of the people that said they would collaborate when we sent the, the book to them, they were scared for their lives, they were scared for their families, and they said that while, you know, we agree with whatever has been written here, you know, it, it'll, not, it'll not be right for me to get into this thing and, you know, take on the Guptas in this way. But uh, I think over a period of time after Pre President Zuma was ousted from the ANC with the Guptas declared fugitives, uh, there was enough collaboration for the lawyers to then give us a go-ahead to publish the book. So it, there were a lot of legal challenges, uh, full marks to Jakana for, for staying through with me, staying the course, 
and in the end coming out and publishing the book uh, when those legal challenges uh, were over. Your, your answer is a very valuable answer because it takes what's in the book out of just the level of claims and the corroboration that has happened in the legal process around the book gives the book now even extra weight in everything that you're saying happens. Does the Indian media report on the Guptas? What kind of coverage do they receive in India, especially now that they're on the run from South Africa? Well, uh, you know, we have uh, a lot of the big newspapers here in magazines, like the Outlook magazine, which wrote a fairly large article about uh, the Gupta family and about the, the kind of misadventure that they've been in, in, in South Africa. Also, there have been newspaper headlines about uh, the Bank of Baroda and how it had to move out of South Africa because of their association with the Gupta family. And also there's a lot of interest in the media about this family, this Indian family, which, you know, uh, which was responsible for so much corruption uh, in, in uh, South Africa. Uh, but of course, I think uh, the Indian agencies and the governments have also got wind of of, the, of of whatever they did in South Africa. And you have the income tax department, which recently raided uh, more than 30 of their establishments, residences and offices. And the signal to them is very clear that they're not welcome in India. They cannot loot and plunder in one country and come uh, and spend that money in India. That, I think, is a signal that's very clear to them. Uh, they, there is a notice. Uh, they, they were summoned to a court to explain uh, their income recently. They did not appear. They, they were represented by a lawyer. But they've been given another uh, 10 days by the court to appear in a court here. And uh, if, if they don't come there, I think there will be more trouble for them here in India as well. So clearly the message in India for the Gupta brothers is that they're not welcome here, that they have to face uh, the law in South Africa. Rajesh Sundaram, we've just been in conversation with Rajesh. He's the author of Indentured Behind the Scenes at Gupta TV. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing so many aspects of the book that add to our reading of the book uh, the process, the legal process around the publishing of the book uh, everything that you've said today has added an extra layer of depth to the book uh, making the veracity of all the claims in the book that much stronger Thank. also just to finish off the interview you are a brave journalist for someone to have come to South Africa on a contract see what's happening at the studio that is his new employer to take a decision that the editorial policy is wrong, that the corrupt practices are wrong, and with fear for his own life to resign and then quickly get out of the country as quickly as he, as quickly as he can. You've, you've kept your integrity as an editor intact, even though you were involved with the one family that in South Africa has become the kiss of death to any corporate entity that deals with them. Thank you for your book. It's a very, very valuable document for South Africans uh, to read. And I think it's a caution to tell for people all around the world about crony capitalism. Thank you for your time. And thank you for being our guest here on Chai FM today, Friday. Thank you very much. That was Rajesh Sundaram, the author of Indented, behind the scenes at Gupta TV. It's published by Jakarna Media. And it's available in the shops. It's a very quick read, but it's an explosive read. And I'd say before you go home today, go past the bookshop and get yourself a copy and uh, then listen to the podcast of this show again, just to give yourself that added depth of, uh, of the author's perspective on his own book.